Father, we pray your blessing on your word. We pray, Lord God, that you would really, really, really speak to our hearts today in a very special and significant way. In Jesus' name. My text today is John chapter 4, verse 4. And uh, John is probably uh, my favorite gospel in the whole New Testament. In all the gospels, John chapter 4, verse 4. And I love the words where it says, And he must needs go through Samaria. Other translation says, And he must go through to Samaria. My first point is this today. Just for the one. Just for the one. The one person. Yesterday, when we went out evangelizing, giving out leaflets myself, Ra, Samuel, and, and Denise, I, me and Denise were walking along the streets, and we were, we were just putting leaflets in the door. And I said to Denise, I said to Denise, you know what? When we put these leaflets through the door, we don't know who's behind that door. We may do it randomly, but we don't know who actually is behind that door. But I said, God knows who's behind that door. Every one of us in this room had a Samaria moment. And the thing is about this story is this, that Jesus actually shouldn't have been there. Actually should have gone with the disciples. He shouldn't have even entered into Samaria. Because a Jew, to go to Samaria was, was, wasn't even, was, you wouldn't even make up the conversation. Jews and, Samar- and, and, and Samaritans didn't even have, couldn't even stand in the same proximity. Yet Jesus chooses to go to Samaria for the one. The one individual. The one person. I was sharing your day. I was in the gym the other day, and I was talking to this older man in the, in the sauna, and we were chatting, having a conversation, and I, and I was hoping the conversation would open up, that I could share my testimony. And by the time we left, I got to share my whole testimony with him for about 10 or 15 minutes. As I walked out, I realized that God had set up a Samaria moment for him. Because that person is very important to Jesus. I want to say this morning this, is that individuals that we bump into, that we cross paths with every day, are very important to the Lord. That one person, you, you just never know what God can do through one person. You just never know that lady going to that well that day in the afternoon because of our lifestyle, because of our, our circumstance, because of our situation, She never ever saw that Jesus decided to go to Samaria that day because he knew that that individual needed him. In that scene, she says, she she talks about herself, and Jesus says in that scene, he says, I came for you. I came for you. I don't know about you this morning, but I remember the day I got saved as if it was yesterday. Literally 30 years ago, I still remember that moment that when Jesus met with me, it changed everything. And I want to encourage us this morning, never lose focus on the ones. The church age in the last 10 to 15 years 
has almost removed himself from the ones and talked all, all we speak about is the masses, the hundreds, the thousands. But what about the individuals? What about that individual life? What about that individual person that's going through a difficult time? What about that individual person that's maybe he's going through a heartache? Maybe he's going through pain. Maybe he's a sick individual physically. Maybe sick mentally. Maybe sick emotionally. What about that wonderful individual? Just like that lady that day who was a broken lady, who was a rejected lady, who was a lost lady. Yet Jesus made it his own business that he would arrive in that place that day knowing that she would show up. Knowing that she was important. Knowing that if he could touch her life, Lots of lives would change. We underestimate, and I want to say this this morning, the title of the sermon is, we underestimate the power of one. We are so almost conditioned with masses and numbers, and yet we lose sight of that individual. I was watching, there's a wonderful documentary on, um, I think it's on Netflix, about Billy Graham's life story. And Billy Graham was, uh, I think he was the age of 17, and he went to, a, went to an old, old Pentecostal meeting one night. And in that meeting, there was many people. Billy Graham didn't know that night was going to change everything for him, not just for him, but actually for, the, actually for the world. Billy Graham goes that night and gives his life to Christ, a farm boy, pure boy, a young boy, but God marked that man to change the world, that one individual, that one person. I want to say to you this morning, you matter to God. You as an individual have a specific and significant role in the kingdom of God. I want to go take it one step further. You as an individual are significant in your community. Where you live, where God has placed you in your neighborhood, you are there for a specific reason. You may be the only light, the only salt, the only person that they will ever come into contact with a living God. Yesterday we were there in the seventies, and we ended up speaking to this Spanish lady in the neighbor. We got to speak with this Spanish lady, and she, she was a lady with an educated background. She started talking about science, and I don't believe that God exists, and all this conversation. She was going on and on and on. And then at one point I just said, can I just ask you one little question? She said, what's that? I said, do you think it's by chance you met us today or do you think it's by coincidence? And I said, you know what? God sent me and this lady to speak to you today. And I silenced all the arguments, I silenced the conversation. As she walked off, she waved. And I realized at that point, us going there yesterday, maybe was just for her alone. Maybe every other leaflet in every other house will probably be put in a trash or thrown into a fire. But maybe walking those streets yesterday was just for that lady alone. Maybe we don't know what she's going through. We don't know what she's probably facing. We don't know what's, what our circumstances are. But God knows that he sent us yesterday into that neighborhood, maybe to speak to that one individual because the individual matters to God. The one person, the one individual is very, very important to God. Now, I look back 30 years ago. My older brother, he was the one person that I never thought would ever get saved, yet he was the one that got saved and led us all to Christ. 
Actually, he was so powerfully used in them days that the crime in Finglas, the rape crime, dropped in their neighborhood. Everyone was getting saved, left, right, and center. People were getting saved from every walk of life, not just from Finglas, but other places they were getting saved through, through his ministry, through my other brother's ministry that died. They were all getting saved. Why? Because God chose to touch one individual to bring change and cause effect for others. I want to say this morning, Jesus meeting the woman at the well was a very significant meeting. Can I, can I open this up a bit today? God meeting you. Now, you've got to get this. God stepping into your world was very significant. And it wasn't by chance. It was purpose and fulfillment. And I want to say this this morning. I was thinking about all this yesterday and today. God meeting Moses at a burning bush was very significant. God calling David from the hilltops of Israel was very significant. God calling Paul on the road to Damascus was very important. God calling Peter standing at a fishing port. Think about it, standing at a fishing port. Standing at a fishing port at the age of probably 19 years of age, Jesus walks past him, and then Jesus calls him. And Jesus says, one day, Peter, you will be a fisher of men. Peter didn't understand what Jesus was saying at that point, but at that point of contact, that moment of that conversation that day would change Peter's life and, actually call, and would actually cause the change of history all based on one individual. Your life, my life matters to others. Your life is very important to people. You may not feel it. You may say to yourself, I'm not spiritual enough. You may say, I fail every day. I make mistakes every day. I have an argument with my children. I shout at my wife. I scream at my husband. Every day you do something wrong and you base everything based on your behavior rather than being based on your position, which actually is sonship. Your identity is more important to Christ than your behavior. Because out of your identity, you will do something for the glory of God. Sometimes we base everything on our, on our, on our let me explain this. We base everything on our behavior rather than what has happened to us. I want to say this morning, 30 years later, I still want to tell everyone about Jesus. Where I love in that scene in The Chosen, she's running off saying, he has just told me everything about myself. She's laughing and she's dancing and she's screaming. And it turns from one individual moment to one encounter. Jesus saw her as so important to meet her at that well to have a conversation, now listen, you've got to get this. To have a conversation, but move from a, a conversation to an encounter. That encounter that day will change her life forever. Now, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know whether you were born again. I don't know whether you even believe in this stuff. But I want to tell you, I had one encounter 27, 30 years ago that changed everything in my life. And my encounter was in the most unusual place. 
in the back end of a, a back end of, a, of a nightclub, almost at the back end of a nightclub, just coming out of a nightclub drinking and parties. I never realized, going to Tenerife that year, my brother puts a Bible in my bag and says, you need to read that Bible. I laugh at him as I leave his house. I go to Tenerife, but I never saw what was about to happen to me. It was about to change me. I arrive in Tenerife with one thing in my mind and one desire to go drinking and party and nightclub. And all that was, that was in my mind. But what was in the mind of God was, I'm going to meet with him on his Samaria moment, but I'm not just going to meet him. He's going to encounter me that's going to change his life forever. I want to tell you this morning, that encounter changed me. That encounter affected me. That encounter transformed me. All because God knew that I needed Samaria moment. Friend, I want to tell you this morning, every one of us have had that encounter. Every single one of us in that room has had that moment, that encounter, that has had a huge effect on us. And not only us, but in our families, in our marriages, in our homes, and maybe in our communities. That encounter that day with that woman, everything was about to change, not just for her, but actually for a city. And you know what? I, I walk the streets. Yes, I walk in the streets. I go into the city sometimes. I walk around my neighborhood, and I see all these young people who are lost who are bewildered, who, are, who are, don't know where they're coming or going. And yet often we hide what we have. We don't share what happened to us. We don't bring anything to the table. We would rather shy away rather than actually bringing something of God to someone that actually needs an encounter with Jesus. God's heart is for the lost, friends. God's heart is for the broken. God's heart is for the drug addict. God's heart is for the alcoholic. God's heart is for the abused mother. God's heart is for the abused wife and father. God's heart is for the broken and the destitute. And we as the church often are, are, are slow to really, really bring something of God to the table. We shy away from it. Now, I don't know, maybe I'm just a stupid tick or maybe I'm just hard-headed. But when I go into a shopping mall or I go into it, even when I'm buying a pint of milk, I'm always on the mind, how can I see that person come to Christ? How can I tell my story? How can I get 60 seconds? How can I get 30 seconds to share one piece of what happened to me that day? Every time I get up every morning, I wake up with the same mindset. How can I share what happened to me? How can I tell someone? What happens to me? How can I bring someone to experience what happens to me? Now, I don't know, maybe I'm getting older, but yesterday when we were out evangelizing, I was enjoying it. I was enjoying knocking on the doors. I was enjoying putting the levers in the doors. I was enjoying talking to young people that were walking past. I stopped and had a conversation. One guy pulled up in his car, covered in tattoos, you know, and I just knocked on his window, and, you know, he's looking at me. I said, hey, you doing, bro? Just want to give you that, that little leaf of there. And he started looking at me, who the heck are you? And I said, listen, we just have a church here. And love you to come and love to invite you, you know. But listen, no pressure. I had no fear, no intimidation because I have something that they actually need. <laughs> God gave me something that they need. So why would I not want to give it away? When she met Jesus that day, he revealed everything about her, but he didn't just stop there. He forgave her, restored her, and transformed her. Hallelujah. One person, one encounter, one city. 
She came from a place called Sitcha, S-Y-C-H-A-L. It was a small village in Samaria. And she moves from the well to the sea. She moves from a personal encounter to a group of people. And she runs in and tells the whole village about Jesus. The whole village. And the whole village gets saved. All because of the one. The one person. The one encounter. Will change the lives of many. I said jokingly this morning in the lift. Gosh, I said Yvonne in the lift. I said 600 people got saved yesterday. And Yvonne laughed, and I laughed, Shan laughed, and Jordan laughed. But that's not an impossibility to God. Imagine seeing 600 people get saved. Imagine seeing six people get saved. <laughs> Imagine seeing one get saved. Imagine seeing one get have an encounter with Jesus. Now I'm hearing great reports of the week of Pulse, all the young kids getting saved. I think Sam, Sam the, the guy that runs it, Sam um, Corcoran, said he'd never seen anything like it before in Pulse. Every night all the kids were running to the altar. They would open up the altar and all the children would run to the altar. And at one point one, one of the leaders asked the children, are you doing it because your friend's doing it? And they said, no, we want to run to the altar. And these kids are 15 to 17 or 18 or 19, all coming to the altar saying they have this issue. They have that issue. They have this problem. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a lot of them are saying a mental issue. Maybe it's an emotional problem. Some are saying they'd be bullied in school. But they were all running to the altar because they know that that's the place that will change everything. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I ran to every altar. Actually, they must have just seen, the, they actually, before the altar was even said, they, they would see the back of my head at the altar. And not only my head, his head as well. So there was the two of us at the, at the altar every Sunday asking God to do something in our hearts, making sure that we were saved, making sure that we had had that encounter, making sure our lives was changing. Why? Because we had met with Jesus. We had met with the author of life. We had met with the giver of life. We had met with the one that would change our lives. Just like that woman that day got touched, we would run into our neighborhood and tell everybody, everyone in fingers knew about Jesus. I remember the, the talk in the town at the time was, all my old friends, Pat Fitzgerald has just become a priest. And I remember meeting one or two and they'd say, are you a priest now? And the usual question, are you not allowed to get married? It was always that. Are you not allowed to get married now? Are you not allowed to drink now? Are you not allowed to smoke now? It was always those external things. And yet one day I was walking through Arnott's and I met an old, old friend. And he stopped me and he said, what has happened to you? I said, what do you mean? He says, you look different. Your eyes are, are like glass. There's, you, you seem to have life. And I shared the gospel with him, and he almost got saved. Almost. I believe one day he will get saved. I believe one day he'll give his life to Christ. And one day, I was walking through Arnstein, I met his father. 
His father said, can I go for a cup of coffee with you? I said, yeah, I met his father for coffee, and I led his father to Christ in the coffee shop. His words were, do you think God could forgive me? I said, absolutely. My life being touched by God could lead many to Christ, and your life being touched by God can lead many to Christ. I was, I was saying to Samuel and Raj, just, wouldn't it be great every month we take 10 or 20 people out into the neighborhoods and just drop in leavings and get conversations going, that we could all share our testimony with someone, one individual that we bump into, one person in the supermarket, one person in our neighbor, maybe our next-door neighbor, that we could share the gospel with. My next-door neighbor on the left office, how is the big globe in the, in the front room? I said, one day, Derek, you'll come in and you will be part of that globe. I'm reminded of Paul when he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God that brings a man to salvation. I don't know, I feel excited again to see people come to Christ. I feel a heart to reach out to others who are lost, who are broken. Who are in a dark place, in a difficult place, in a sad place, in a lonely place. I don't know about you, but my heart is for young people. I see all these kids, honestly, in my own neighborhood, in my own community. I bump into kids all the time, and I see them. They literally live on these phones. They're miserable. They're sad. They're lonely. They're lost. They're broken. And yet in my heart, I just want to reach out to them. I just want to talk to them. I just want to have a conversation with them. I said to that Spanish lady yesterday, I said, listen, I said, her name is Dula. I said, Dula, I said, listen, come to church. I said, if you don't like it, there's no, what, what have you lost? I said, but if you do come and you like it, what have you gained? Friend, I don't know about you, but we're living in, and I don't want to go on about the dark age and the miserable things that are going on in the world. But this is where I believe prophetically. I believe prophetically this generation are not a lost generation. They're an ordained generation. And do you know why they're ordained? I said this to Sean, I said this to someone else. Because I believe these young people today can do more for Christ than we have ever done. I believe the generation now can really affect the world and change the world. I really believe this generation can impact the world globally. I really believe. Because these are hybrids. They are so fast, so clever, so smart, so big capacity-wise, so big with potential that this generation can change the globe. This generation can affect the world. I really believe that. And I really believe in the next coming years, we're going to see thousands of these young people come to Christ. Now, I don't know whether you saw the Jesus Revolution movie, but I went to see it a few weeks ago. And the whole basis of the movie is about Chuck Smith. And it's about a generation in the 70s who were all in their, in their mid-20s, 19 to 26, all started to get saved on a regular basis. They were all hippies at the time. And Chuck Smith's house would be full of them every night. And it went from a house to a church to a tent meeting to a global. God's heart is for the young friend. And I'm speaking as an older person here this morning. My responsibility is to encourage the young. My responsibility is pray for the young. My responsibility is to reach out to the young. My responsibility is to cheer them on. Is to encourage them to really reach their potential and to do something for Christ. 
I believe sitting in this room and in that room upstairs, all these teenagers, they are the future missionaries. They are the future people that will set up charities like Compassion, like Tearful, that will have a global effect on the world. They will, they will walk in and have a global effect on the world because they are the generation God has ordained. And I want to tell you, why do you think the enemies come against that generation so severely, so radically, so painfully? Why? Because they're the generation that's going to change everything. They're the generation that's going to impact the world. They're the generation that's going to bring a lost, broken world to Christ. That's what I really believe in my heart. Why? Because it takes the power of one. And I believe my last, time, my last ministry before I retire in the next 10 or 15 years is to really encourage the young people in the faith to reach out to the young, to grab hold of the young, to encourage the young, to pray for the young, and to bring the message of Christ to the young. That's my heart, friend. That's my desire now. I want to reach these young kids for Christ. I want to sit with them. I want to go where they go. I want to sit and have coffee with them. I want to talk to them about my experience. I want to talk to them about my testimony. Why? Because it just takes one person to do something different that will cause a great change. Hallelujah. And imagine all of us together had the same hearts. Imagine if we all said, let's go out and reach the world. Let's knock on the one door. <laughs> Let's go to the one individual. Let's sit with the one individual. When the phone rings and you don't want to look at the number and you turn it over, maybe turn it back over and say, maybe it's just a conversation that I need to have that can help this one single person. Well, I remember 30 years ago, my Samaria moment, and I've never forgotten it. And I pray today that you have forgotten and maybe God wants to bring you back. Maybe God wants to wake something up inside of you. Maybe God wants to release something in your heart. Maybe you don't realize how significant you are as an individual. How important you are for the kingdom of God. Maybe this morning you came to church thinking, I don't really have much to give. I don't have much to offer. But I want to tell you this morning, Jesus went to a high price for you. Jesus went to a dark place for you. And Jesus was rose for you on the third day. And so I rejoice today that this God did it all for me. And it's my desire to do it all for you. Amen. The power of one. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.